And at that point, you just have to be comfortable with walking away and saying, well, we lost some money, but boy, did I learn a lot. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Builds Your Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexhammer. With me excited to have Tori Benson. Tori, how are you doing today? Doing great. Good. Well, it's been surviving a while. Surviving the since... cold. Yeah, surviving the cold. Yeah, you're up in, in sunny, warm uh, Montana in uh, what, the, you know, February, just freeze uh, out there. So I was actually looking, I ski at Big Sky along with you, right? But I was looking um, and it's like, holy cow, it is freaking cold out there. I think I saw that there was like a low of negative 27. So, you know, happy to be inside. You see the fires go in the background. It's, uh, it's warm inside. So we're good, right? It's warm inside. We're good. And, you know, here in Montana, people like, you're going to be real bored if you can't go outside in negative 27 degrees weather. So we learned to get out there and just get after it. Just, you know, you warm up inside and then you go out and you do something fun and you come back inside again. <laughs> that, I love the attitude. And that's actually my, you know, it's funny. I think there was a, a, a not, I think I know there was a short period of time there where I was like, man, winters suck like Minnesota. Ah, just, and then I was like, what am I doing? I'm here. I'm living in the state. I need to embrace it. And so I started doing started getting back to all the winter activities that I enjoyed doing when I was young, started skiing, started or not started, but got, got back to doing stuff like that. And it's like, now I actually look forward to the seasons again, you have to embrace the challenges that are in front of you. And certainly uh, 27 degrees below zero is a challenge, uh, high winds, lots of snow, that's a challenge, but it's also something you can look forward to and embrace and just enjoy, which really sets you up for success in life in general. Right. It really does. It's such a good analogy. Yeah, <laughs> um, we, you know, we do think about that here. Um, and we teach our kids that too. We have young kids and, um, you know, they're like, no, we want to stay inside and play a game. And we're like, we've been inside for a long time. Let's go do something. So a couple of years ago, you know, growing up me too, in Minnesota, like you, um, I was a downhill ski racer and we did alpine skiing. Um, and when we moved to Bozeman and we lived in Colorado for a long time, a lot of people were doing this Nordic skiing. And I know a lot of people in the Midwest do Nordic skiing, but I think you're like an alpine skier or a Nordic skier. Well, we got here to Montana and all these people are Nordic skiing. And we were like, why would you want to do that? Like that looks like a lot of work, (laughs) but there's this world-class skiing right down the street. And so a couple of years ago, I was like, that's it. And I bought the whole family, all the setups that we needed. And now, you know, on a day like today, when it's kind of blustery, you can say, well, you know, I'm going to go do one loop around the track. That's like a block from our house and get a little workout. You get some fresh air and you come back in and you're like, okay, I did something. I didn't just stare at it and, you know, commiserate with everybody about the cold today. So it's a good, it's a mindset thing. Yeah. Love that. You, you grew up, uh, downhill skiing and now do some Nordic skiing. I grew up Nordic skiing and now do. Oh, the switcheroo. So, yeah. yeah the switcheroo. So <laughs> love it. I still do some Nordic skiing too, but, um, well, cool. You know, we so, call you Nordies. You're called Nordies. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, so Tori, why don't you give our listeners a bit about your background, uh, what sure. you're doing today, and then we'll kind of dive in. 
Sure. Like I said, uh, born and raised in Minneapolis in the suburbs of Minneapolis, uh, to a big Catholic family. Um, I was a middle child, so I learned to be competitive from an early age. Uh, I ski raced. I loved sports. I loved, you know, getting A's in school. And so that, uh, kind of the ski racing thing was sort of a, uh, uh, thing in my schedule, a thing in, in my DNA that ended up pushing me to become more adventurous. I traveled all over the Midwest and then went to the junior Olympics in Colorado mm -hmm. and recruited in college. And, um, and after that, after graduating, I was like, oh, okay. So we moved, see, I moved to Boston. I lived in LA, Denver, Vail, wow. um, Spain, Idaho. Uh, wow. and now we've landed everywhere. in Bozeman. Yeah. I've kind of, I've been around everywhere and I've been in real estate. Um, since I was little, my dad was a commercial real estate wizard in the twin cities. And, uh, so that's kind of in, in my blood. Um, and so now landing here in Bozeman, I've been through my trajectory, I've been in development, uh, tenant rep, uh, transactional commercial real estate in the Denver area, um, luxury home sales, uh, you name it. And so a couple of years ago, let's see in, in 2020, it sort of hit my husband and I that we've been doing real estate, helping other people achieve, uh, real estate goals and not doing it on our own. Um, and so there was this time, there was this moment where I read a book and I was like, okay, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to get one of those planners that everybody's talking about. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I bought a 90 day planner and I put in there, I'm going to buy a building because I've been doing this my whole life. Why haven't I bought a building yet? We had a couple of residential, uh, rentals, um, through the years and still do. Um, but that building was just one of our, was one of our goals. And so here we are today. Um, we set that goal and, and where we had been going was somebody told us you need $500,000 to buy a building. And we were like, holy smokes, that's a lot of money. So we saved and saved and saved and saved. And we didn't quite get to $500,000 by the time we, we made that 90 day goal and found that building, but we bought the building and, uh, and took that leap. And here we are today. Um, it's, it's been really fun. We're, we're now, um, really loving the idea of financial freedom. That wasn't something that I had conceptualized before, but now it's all over, you know, any podcast you listen to, they might mention financial freedom, but the idea is lovely for us being the adventurous spirits that we are, um, what, what does, what does it mean for you? What is financial freedom? Like what, what's sure, the goal? Question. What's the look? For me, you know, for some people it's, you know, I want to have a private jet and, you know, run a company or have, you know, own a, own a office tower, maybe not anymore, own an office tower, be this huge mogul. Um, for Nick and I, it's really about all those adventurous things. So now we love to water ski, sail. We love to alpine ski, Nordic ski. We hunt, we have a raft, we have a camper. You know, we like to get out there and do things. And so really financial freedom for us is, okay, we don't really have to work that much anymore. We love real estate. So we want to put in a little effort. We want to put in a little, you know, challenge of our brain every day. Uh, but other than that, like let's put in a couple of hours and then let's go ski 
or yeah. let's put in a couple of hours on the back of our sailboat and then, you know, go off to the next destination today. Yeah. Um, we have a goal that we're working on right now. We're kind of putting the, the preliminary uh, pieces together. It's probably a few years off, but we want to sail around the world. Hmm. And so we're kind of trying to get everybody to wrap their heads around that, including our kids. Are uh, so, the kids going to be included in that? They're going to sail with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. And so it's it's figuring out, do we do that when the kids are in middle school or do we do that, you know, when they're in college or after college? And so just trying to, to yeah. get the feel from everybody on what's doable. But yeah, it's that that's a big goal. And so for us, financial freedom is uh, not having all the money in the world. It's just having the money to be able to do these awesome things and live life really big with our family and friends. Love it. Love that. You know, it, it, like you said, it looks different for everybody and everybody has different ideas. You, you, and you can't, you can't decide on what your financial freedom is based on what other people are doing though. It's gotta be what ticks for you. Cause you know, you want to travel, you want to do these adventures. You want to live life big for somebody else like that. They might be just be too bored doing that. They might not like that. It might not challenge them enough, you know, whatever it might be, but and same thing, like if you were just like grinding and that was your financial and you're just building this big, huge, massive, you know, company that might not do it for you. It might just be like, but what am I doing this for? So you got to decide what that looks like for you. I love that you have this kind of vision. And I'm like, as you're describing it, I'm like seeing it, you know, come to light. So um, I see so you nodding too, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that that's a theme and real estate investors that I meet, like this risk-taking, this adventurous spirit, yeah. there's something there, right? Like I, I was riding the Peloton the other day and one of the um, instructors, I think it's Jess King, she was like, you know, sometimes you just got to leap before you look. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a good, that's a good one to think about. Like mm -hmm. in real estate investing, you know, we're, we are, we're risk takers. You got to have this certain amount of risk and this certain amount of adventurous spirit, because you might fail, yep. right? And you go in knowing that you might fail. Yep. And it's not that we don't look before we leap, but there's a certain amount of leaping, isn't there, Todd? There, there is. And, you know, it's funny, I was just talking to my underwriter yes, yesterday, and uh, we, were, we were talking about that. And we were talking about how everybody's underwriting is so different. He's like, yeah, it's because it's a guess. And he's like, you know, I try to be very data and analytically driven and we try to look at all the, but it's at the end of the day, it's still a guess. Like we're just guessing at what it is. And yeah, our approach is fairly, you know, what we would say is, Hey, we're really paying attention and we're really trying to look at data and analytics and oh, we're not taking risk, but we are, we are, we're taking risk like yeah. because it's still a guess at the end of the day, it's still a guess. And the market can do so many different things. So many things that can happen that we, you have to take, you have to be okay with taking that risk. And that's probably what sets, I think a lot of people apart that are successful or not is that ability to like, sometimes you just got to jump. Sometimes you just got to go. I think it's so true. Analysis paralysis is a friend of mine. Um, 
I will oh. sit in front of this computer and I will have like 20 tabs yeah. of different scenarios. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm running out of names for the, the, you know, this scenario of yeah. this specific building, um, for the next six months. And finally, I just have to be like, oh my gosh, pick the best one. And you got to move along because is it, that how you get, like, how do you get over? Is that how you get over? Sometimes you just got to like stop and or is there anything you do to like get over that analysis paralysis? Cause I, I get caught up with the same thing that sure. many times. I think that the, so I like, I'm a visual person and, um, and I love, like, I love writing in a journal. I like writing my plan, like my plan for the day and the planner, you know, I got to have like a piece of paper. Um, so I will run the analyses online and then I will print them out and I will like line them up and then look at them side by side. And then you just kind of like, oh, that one doesn't work. I don't feel good about that one anymore. And then I kind of come down to a few yeah. and then I, and then it all comes down to relationships, right? I love leaning on my relationships um, and just running by different people. I, I use my husband all the time, of course. Um, well, what do you think about this? Or, you know, calling up somebody that comes to mind or, or even if I need to touch base with a lender that I haven't talked to in a while, call them up and say, Hey, what do you think about this? You know, am I looking at this the right way? Or is there a better, is there a better way to do this? Recently I did that on a, um, we're working on a, we have to do like a roof replacement on a building. And I know that there's TIs that are coming up in the next couple of years that I want to plan for. And so I was, I'd like to leverage that rather than coming out of pocket because I'm saving my my capital right now for some opportunities coming yeah. down the path. And uh, and I just was like feeling very linear. And I said, you know, Tori, this is when you like get out of your box. You've got to start calling on the people that you know and leveraging those relationships and getting their point of view. And oh my gosh, the golden nuggets that came out of all of those conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's amazing because there are way smarter people out there than me. Um, and they're not just this one person, Tori Benson, sitting at the desk, you know, doing the same thing every day. Um, they're doing other things. They're talking to other people, other deal makers out there, and they've, they've got other experience than I have. So that's been one thing that's been a real light bulb for me lately is that whenever I have a question, just pick up the phone. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. Gasoline is powerful, right? But it doesn't mm -hmm. drive a car without the wheels, without the, you know, you need the brakes, you need the, you know, the, 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 you need the engine, you need the gears, you need all that. You can't just have gas and all of a sudden drive to California, right? You need right. all the components. And that's similar. Like, you know, you're sitting here, we're, you're a smart person. And you said, uh, oh, these people are, there's people are way smarter than me. You're a pretty smart person yourself. Sure, but sure. And people call me. <laughs> people same, call same. you. And that's the point is like, but you're smart, but you're taking other people's little pieces of information, their little golden nugget that they might be able to provide. I think so many people just rely on themselves so often where they just, they feel almost feel bad asking somebody for advice or they just feel like, oh, a lot of times I think it's the fear of, well, th th they're going to think I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I um, might be found out. <laughs> right. Am I, yeah. Do they think I'm a fraud if I ask them for their advice, but man, it, it can help so much. If you're looking at underwriting, you're looking at, you're staring at the same thing 
all the time, like you said, you're being so linear, like you're just looking at the same thing. And all of a sudden you ask somebody else and they're like, oh, it was just do this. And you're like, oh my gosh, you're a genius. Like, thank you so much. Yeah, thank that you. It happens so to much. me all the time. Just by the sounds of it, it happens to you all the time too. If you just lean on some people, you're going to get so much. And the much thing that you, I, th I think the thing that most of us forget is that people want to give. They do. Like it's an innate human yeah. thing. Yeah. We want to give, we want to help. That makes you feel good, right? When you how, give. How many times when you're asked advice, are you mad that they asked you advice? Oh my gosh, never. I'm like, like never. oh, really me? You want <laughs> yeah. my advice? Sure. Yeah. Tell me what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that's, the, I think it's so powerful what you're saying. You, you, you said it so simply, but it just like, you have to take, you're going to get stuck and even when you're not stuck, like you just need to have people that you can lean on that can help you see the other side, right? Help you see what some of the pitfalls are or help you see some of the opportunities that are that are there that you're maybe not seeing yourself. So that's super powerful. Sure. And you know what I would say if I have one little nugget of advice is um, a thank you note goes so mm. far. I always try to, if somebody helps me, I mean, even if it's like a 10 minute call, I really try to send a thank you note or an email or sometimes even a gift um, to say thanks because those people are going to remember you and want to do business with a person that appreciates their time. So you've asked them for advice. They appreciated that surely, but then you've thanked them for their time and that just tickles people, Yeah, you know? Yeah. That, that for sure. And I, I probably need to get a lot better at it, but I can think of a few times where I've said very, I, I felt like didn't really give that much value to somebody. And all of a sudden I get a gift in the mail and I'm like, Whoa, that is super cool that they went out of their way to think about me, to give me that gift. And yet they're like, Hey, that was super awesome. He gave me so much value, but for me, it's like, well, that was really cool. Like they didn't need to do that, but that meant a lot. So I yeah, agree. Yeah. That's, that's you know, I had a, a big, um, we were working on a big deal last year that fell apart. Uh, bummer. They do fall apart sometimes. And, uh, I worked on that deal for like six months and there were probably things, well, there are things I know I could have done better. Um, but there was a whole team of people that were helping me along that six months. And as, as depressing as it was when the deal fell through, I still realized that, man, all these people that helped me, I need to thank them appropriately. And so we, we have a tenant that, um, that is like a, a meat shop. And so I called that tenant and I was like, yo, can we put together really cool meat packages <laughs> and send them out? And so we found some cool app and all these drivers went and picked up the meat packages mm. and dropped them all off at houses and businesses where, um, where all the people were that helped me. And, um, oh my gosh, I mean, the thanks, it wasn't Christmas. It wasn't, you know, Valentine's day. It wasn't, yeah, you know, it was just a random day. And uh, I got pictures of like their steak dinners on their plates. Um, mm -hmm. Like, look at how, look at how amazing this was. So that, and then that felt good for me too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that deal a little bit. So you had a deal sure. that fell apart. Maybe we're diving into some, some pain points here, but that's, no, right. that's okay. 
what you know something good things things good came out of it so first i don't know describe the deal a little bit if you can and and maybe maybe a little bit of what happened and then i want to dive into some some of the lessons you learned sure so this was an off market deal that was brought to us by a broker friend um and it took a little while ne to negotiate the seller wasn't quite ready to let go of, of this asset. And I think it was one of the last assets in his portfolio. Um, and his kids didn't want to acquire, um, or, or inherit the portfolio. Um, yeah. and so it was a good opportunity to get in and, and get a great, uh, it was an office showroom, office showroom building with some value add. Um, there was potential to expand the building as well as there was a vacancy, um, probably taking up about a third of the building and two great uh, tenants that filled up the, the remainder of the building. And so we were kind of plugging along, um, but I was under 1031 exchange deadline. Mm -hmm. So I had coals under my feet and yeah. uh, which was probably one of my first uh, missteps because uh, that due diligence time you know, in commercial real estate, the due diligence time is like three months, sometimes six yeah. months, you know, you've got a lot of time, but that time when you put in all the things you need to do, you know, when you fill out that, you know, that project management, you know, graph, whatever those things are called, you know, you're like, wow, these months are suddenly eaten up by what we need to get done. And, and there's some huge decisions that need to be made in that trajectory. And so one of the big ones was, uh, the, property manager literally took like five, I think it was five or six boxes and dropped them at our broker's door and was like, here's all the due diligence. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then their, um, God bless her, uh, assistant digitized all of those documents wow. and sent them to me and all these different files. And That's it was and as like <laughs> organized as it was, it was a slog. And so, um, Thankfully, we have a great property management team. And so I had sent it to her and said, hey, like, don't don't go through this whole thing. But, you know, if there's anything you see in here, I'll do the same. And there was um, there was there were a few issues, uh, but but the biggest those should have stood out to me when I looked through the due diligence. But it wasn't until I was on site and uh, and flew out there and was walking around that I was like why is there water here? You know, like it's winter. This should be frozen. There's like a lot of water here. And then a few months later I was back there and I was like, wow, there's a lot of water mm. in this parking lot and lots of alligator cracks, you know, in the parking lot. And, um, and so, you know, first it was, okay, is it the parking lot? Well, no, it's not really necessarily the parking lot. And so that's when I started leveraging relationships. Right. Um, and, and another, a big, big pointer here is use as much free help as you can. So before you start hiring that, you know, the civil engineer to come on site um, and, you know, whatever they charge per hour before you start boring holes in the parking lot, before you start, um, before you even have a survey or, you know, each of those things is thousands of dollars, um, multiple thousands of dollars. And so in this instance, um, what I did right is I did call on the city and kind of talked about 
the water and the soils and, you know, let's kind of look at the maps and that's fascinating. I love looking at the maps and okay, well, from the, you know, from the dinosaur era, like this is the ground here is like this, you know, from the whatever <laughs> crustacean yeah. era yeah. or whatever it is. And, um, and, and you start to understand like, oh, okay, now I see why there's water in this. Like, this is a big deal. And so the more I talked to, then I called on an engineer and they're all giving me, I asked for help and they're giving me help yeah, nice. out of the goodness of their heart for yeah. like an hour at a time. And so what we ultimately figured out, um, was that this, this small issue was a huge can of worms, hmm. like huge can of worms. So unless you was it just, just the ground level groundwater level, or was it a, it, a leak in yeah. piping or it's the groundwater. And so if you, so, so, so the, we could have gone forward and acquired the property and we had two choices. It was either, okay, we're just going to do, we're going to have to do a mill and overlay like every few every years, couple of years. Yeah. So that's what $50,000 yeah, yeah, uh, right. every, every few years. Uh, or we would have to dig up the whole entire thing put in all sorts of French drain systems yeah. at that point that was going to trigger stormwater because yeah. this building had been grandfathered in yeah. and it was not required to have stormwater, um, on site. And so then you'd have to take care of that situation. Yada, yada. Well, at that point, once that's triggered, then, um, then you have to get to the state level, um, with the water people. And at that point, you know, now you've really opened that can of worms and it, you know, nobody could tell me, nobody yeah. could tell me what the cost or what could happen yeah. at that point. Yeah. You're and running so probably when, several hundred thousand dollars of work with also potential unknowns for several hundred thousand dollars more. Exactly. Yeah. And so our idea of the value add, great, the vacancy, we could add that value in, yeah. but then the, the expansion value add. Well, if, if we were going to do an expansion, we would have had to trigger had to go that. that. So we could have put the bandaid on every few years and just mill and overlay, mill and overlay, yeah. but that just would have been pushing it down the path. And when you're, um, you know, when you're, when you're analyzing a property, you know, you want to make sure that you're looking at this for, okay, does a cash flow? Mm. Great. You know, we want to make sure we're buying cash flow properties today, or at least, you know, in the next year. Yeah. Uh, but then also, okay, what are, what can we add value to? So that at some point in time in the near future, it's going to be worth more, but then, well, we also might not hold on to this forever. So who's going to buy it. And that's when the hard decision comes. It's like, okay, well, we've already spent a lot of time and money on due diligence on this property. Is it worth it to just do this thing and leap you know, before you really look or know, or is it better to walk away and say, okay, you know, we lost a little bit of money on that one. Uh, but at least we know that we're not going to lose a ton of money on this one. What, when do you know it's time to walk away? Like, how did you get that? It was just this, Hey, there's too much risk for the reward or well, like, what, what was that feeling? What was that discussion? Sure. I think on that one, that was hard. Cause I let that one hang on probably a little too long because yeah. I didn't want to lose it. 
But then what happened, there were a multitude of factors. I think sometimes you have to listen to the nudges and you ignore the, that nudge and then yeah. you ignore the next nudge. And then finally, like another nudge comes. Well, the, the, another nudge was the interest rates rising. I think that was, you know, when all of this came together that, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. It was June. So interest rates had already gone up. So we had been working on this deal for like four months and, uh, and the nature of the deal completely changed and the seller wasn't willing to negotiate. And at that point, you just have to be comfortable with walking away and saying, well, we lost some money, but boy, did I learn a lot. And I probably would have had to pay somebody even more than that to learn those lessons that we learned. And so we're just going to take that and we're going to swallow the pride (laughs) and move along and know there's another deal. And then sure enough, this fall, I looked at another deal and my, my head, like walking around that building, my head immediately went to oh my gosh, where's that water going? <laughs> oh, we don't have stormwater treatment on site. Okay, well, where does it go? You know, and so then I was able to drive down through the office park and figure out, you know, where, you know, where, <laughs> where's this little creek or ditch leading to? Um, and okay, there's water pooling over here. You know, suddenly you just start keying into to things. So the more buildings you buy, the more experience you have, the, the more uh, you can make those decisions probably quicker. Yeah, so you heard it, folks. If you have stormwater questions, Tori Benson, give her a call. She's <laughs> she's the help. she's the expert of that. But no, it's I mean you've learned some valuable lessons along the way. How was there was it a you know you you got this deal you're going along so for such a long time the brokers expecting they're going to get paid they brought you the deal they're going to get paid. And then you go, Hey, we're, we're not moving forward. Was there a lot of repairing that relationship? Is it, it were they kind of on board with it? How did that go? You always you know, worry about um, these relationships that you're going to probably damage sure. or potentially damage, right? Sure. Because, you know, people always say like, you want to be the people that close. Yeah, You want to be the closer. You no, know, if you, you know, if you go in and, and you're in a deal, then you want to close, but what idiot is going to close if it's not a deal anymore? Yeah. You know, if the material yeah. facts changed, then it's not a deal. And so, yes, that was a labor of love and, uh, and ended, which is frustrating, but it's frustrating for everybody. And I think, again, that's where relationship management comes in. Um, as I, like, I really, I love the relationships I have and I honor them and just want to make sure that everybody I'm working with knows that I appreciate them. And, uh, and just letting them know that, okay, let's find another one, you know, let's work on another one together. Um, and if we don't, you know, it wasn't any of our faults. Yeah. It's going to happen in business. I mean, it's going to happen. They've certainly the brokers had to happen. Nobody wants to see it happen, but I think it's, it comes all down to how you react and communicate. Right. And, and you were open and you communicated and, and, you know, there's reasons for walking away. And uh, my guess is you made it very clear to uh, the broker and the sellers and everybody involved. And, and then you give them a nice little gift at the end too. Sure. <laughs> so that, sure. that definitely, that definitely helps too. Well, sure. Um, so what, what do you see, what do you see, you know, with you guys moving forward, where, where are you going? What, uh, you know, what are you doing here in the, over the next uh, year or two or, you know, right. how's, it, how's the business progressing? 
Yeah, I'm really excited uh, right now. I feel like we're just kind of in this exciting time um, where things are changing, right? And when things are changing, new opportunities arise. Uh, and so what I'm doing again, going back to relationships is, um, I think there's two keys to relationships. Number one, it's about who you are and then it's, you know, who you're in relationship with. So if, if I'm not my best self, then who am I going to be in relationships with? Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I do a lot of mindset work. And then, um, and then the, you know, who are you calling on? Who are you connecting with? Make sure that you're not just, you know, surrounding yourself all the time with your buddies and, you know, hanging out. Well, you also got to hang out with the people that, that, you know, challenge your real estate investor mind or your mindset mind or whatever you need to be doing. So right now I'm focusing on, um, relationships and a multitude of fashions. Uh, number one, from a business perspective, uh, I have, I bought a list and I've got a list of, of building owners in targeted areas and I am calling directly on building owners. And, uh, and the narrative isn't just, will you sell my bill or sell your building to me? It's, Hey, you know, this is a totally random call. Um, but I'm looking for a building to buy and it might not be now for you. It might be later, but this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And the hope is, is that me being me, Tori Benson, and sending my pink postcard to them, that's different than, <laughs> than the other things that people are receiving in commercial real estate, uh, that they're going to keep that pink postcard in their, in their files or, you know, remember my name because I'm going to keep on them. And if they're not ready now, then they might be ready in the future. Um, but just having those conversations with people and getting to know people and saying, you know, I don't know if you want to sell your building, but maybe your neighbor does, or who do you know, or what are you into, or how can I help? Um, I think that's, that's something that I've learned. I don't, have you ever read the go-giver? Yeah. Yeah. Great book. So yeah, it's, it's all about changing your mindset to, to what can I get? I've got to get a building, you know, I've got to get something under contract. I got to close a deal. No, it's about how can I help? Who can I help? Who can I add value to? Yeah. So if I'm calling building owners or I'm calling lenders in my network or I'm calling brokers or business owners, it's how can I help, you know, and going out of my way to try to help others so that they see that it's a two-way party over here. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I'm excited. Excited to see uh, your progression moving forward and, and uh, follow along with the journey. Tori, what's a, you mean, you mentioned the go-giver, but maybe, uh, sure. maybe another book. What's a, what's a favorite book? Sure. So, um, I'm reading a great book right now. I'll give you two. Um, I'm reading a great book right now called, uh, women who run with wolves. Hmm. It's fascinating. Um, it's a kind of a slow read, but it's kind of about how we come from our ancestors and it goes back and back and back and back. And there's all these stories, all these par parables over time, um, that, that change, change in scope. Um, but they're all kind of getting down to like our psyches and, and mindset and how our brains work. And, uh, and so that is a beautiful book, not only for women, it is, it is towards women, um, but women who run with wolves and, uh, and then the other book I would say, um, I, I had the chance to uh, spend some time with Hal Elrod this past fall. Hmm. And 
everybody knows he wrote the miracle morning. I do the miracle morning. I love it. It changed my life. Uh, But he wrote the miracle equation and I love, uh, he said something, uh, I wrote it down here that whatever you're going to do, like, if you have a goal, you have unwavering faith and extraordinary effort until that goal. So you can write that down. You can have that around your house, but like I have unwavering faith mindset an extraordinary effort. Like I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this every day. have that tenacity, the risk-taking, the adventurous spirit to go and do it. And then I'm going to re I know I'm going to reach that goal. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a really good one. And I think, you know, uh, along with that, uh, I am, I am doing some coaching and some, uh, consulting now primarily for women in the commercial triple net investment world. Um, cause I find that there's not a lot of women, there's more women in the, in the commercial brokerage, uh, realm now, but not as many in the investment realm. And so empowering women to understand that it's not rocket science and men too, you know, you you can come to me and (laughs) talk to me as well, (laughs) understanding that it's not rocket science and that this, you know, extraordinary effort, unwavering faith, um, you can sit down, you can learn this too. It's not just for everybody else to do. Do you think it's like, is there specific reason other than it's just an industry that hasn't had a lot of women, you know, there's traditional industries like construction and, you know, real estate. And there's many industries, right. That just haven't had a lot of women. So is it, is it that, or is it something in like the, the mindset or do you think there's a reason behind it? Or is it just that, Hey, it just hasn't caught on yet. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm the corner on this, but I would say there's something, you know, in reading this book, women who run with wolves, you know, we're, we're bred, you know, we're literally bred to be who we are today from our ancestors. And so what have women been doing, you know, what has been bred in us? And so now the, the narrative is changing. Um, And so women are at the table when it comes to business and men are at the table when it comes to family life, which is so cool. There's this balancing out. But in the commercial real estate state realm, I mean, there's in my family, you know, there's two boys and two girls and uh, my dad was in commercial real estate and both brothers went into commercial real estate and, uh, and I ended up, you know, going that route as well, but it took me a little bit of navigating to get there. Uh, it just, you know, it was more natural and accepted for them to be talking about finance and, um, and going to meetings and business suits. (laughs) And now it's not anymore, which is really cool. And so there's, I I find that a lot of men that I do business with, uh, they, you know, they have these really smart wives and daughters and I love talking to them and saying, well, why not you too? Like, you know, you can find out what he's doing or, you know, when the husband looks at me and he's like, wow, you know, can I have my wife talk to you? Because, she's in this too. Like we're partners. This is, this is our life. We're investing, but she doesn't participate as much because she's driving the kids around or, you know, or she has her own job. Uh, but how fun to empower women to come to the table and play the game too. Yeah, I, I agree. I've got a 13 year old daughter and she wants to, you know, ever since I can remember, she's been talking about owning her own business. And so I got to have you talk to her and, and, uh, you know, she, she's, uh, you ask her to this day what she's going to do when she grows up and it's, it's running a, her own, owning her own company. So I love that. Um, yeah. I, I love it too. And that, 
she'll do it. She can do it. And, she um, will. It's, it's awesome. One of my girlfriends just told me that when she was growing up, her dad gifted her with a stack of note cards, like personal hand handwritten letter note cards. And at the top, it said her name. And underneath it said president and CEO. And she was like, that was such a turning point in my life. It in fact gives me chills when I talk about it, because from, from that early age, she knew that her dad knew that she could do it and that she was going to be a player. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, just that, just encouraging. And I think just, I think just realizing like it's possible Uh, uh, part, part of, I think we're so attracted to people who are kind of like us. And, and so seeing another woman um, Mm -hmm. succeeding in a business and, you know, in real estate or any type of business is like, Oh, wow, I can do that. You know, I could, that's a possibility. So it's really cool. Um, All right. So last question, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? It's a good one. So I'd say that the, you know, number one, as I've mentioned is um, relationships Mm. and using your relationships because that's how, it's how we've gotten every building that we've gotten. It's how I've gotten every job I've ever had is through my networking, through relationships and uh, being me. The second would be uh, through adventure and risk-taking and challenging ourselves uh, and our kids and just life in general, challenging the status quo. And number three is, uh, and this is one I'm working on, but it's time blocking. Because in order to be like the extraordinary effort, okay, the unwavering faith is all this other stuff, the mindset, but the extraordinary effort, like that takes time. Yeah. And when you're an entrepreneur, you wake up every day and you're like, okay, what am I going to do today? Yeah. What's on the agenda? Like it's on you. It's on you. 100%. It's on you to plan every day. My my girlfriend is an eye surgeon. And the other day I saw her and she was like, Tori, how do you do that every day? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, how do I do that? I was like, how do you, how do you operate on eyeballs? You know, every day, you know, to me, it seems crazy what she's doing, but she was like, no, I mean, I walk into work and I've got my day is just right ahead of me. Yeah. How do you wake up every day and know what you need to do to drive, you know, drive the train? And so my, my new year's resolution this year is time blocking because time blocking and making time for those phone calls, every phone call could change your life. Sharon Lecter just told me a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so you got to make those, if you know that every phone call is going to change your life, you better darn well plan the time for when you're going to make those phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. You got to fit those in your day. And if you're just planning on doing stuff, stuff, just happens and it's usually not the stuff that you want to happen or at the right time. Right. So stuff will happen. Your day will get filled. What are you filling it with? I think that's the biggest question. So I love, I love time blocking. It has helped me a ton. Uh, I used to not time block either or or at least very effectively. Right. Uh, And I still struggle with it. It's still a struggle, but you're right. Like, an eye surgeon knows like that person showing up, you've got to, you know, 
a patient showing up at this time. You're going to do this X, Y, Z, boom. Like this is your day. It's already scheduled out for us. So many things that are floating around and you get interruptions, you, you know, you get a phone call that comes in or whatever, an email or something you like, you have to be able to time block and you have to be able to delegate and move things around and uh, yeah, it, it can be very challenging, but it's exciting too at the same time. It is. It's exciting. It's a work in progress every day. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> We're always a work in progress. If you're not, well, then you're probably uh, probably not growing anymore. And man, I always say, if you're not growing, you're dying. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Tori, this has been fun. Uh, any any last comments? Any last uh, words of advice you want to give? No, just thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to have a good conversation with another investor and hear about what's going on. And if anybody wants to reach out or knows a woman in their life that needs a little uh, commercial real estate um, confidence boost, then feel free to hit my website, markerbuoyinvestments.com. That's a whole nother story, the marker buoy. Uh, but check me out there uh, and feel free to just pick up the phone and give me a call. Cool. That sounds uh, fantastic. Appreciate it. Appreciate you joining us. And this was, this was a lot of fun. I love, I mean, we, we, man, we covered a lot of different stuff, didn't we today? It was, it was yeah. a lot of fun going through and uh, just your, I love your energy and love your excitement. And I love your, just like your, uh, your desire for life and adventure and risk. And that, that uh, it's, it's really heartwarming. So love it. And thanks for, so much for joining us. Thanks, Todd. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.